everybody and welcome not so much to the Mumbrella cast but a spin-off of the Mumbrella cast this is the one-on-one series and welcome to the very first episode of the one-on-one series I'm your host and the Mumbrella editor Neil Griffiths and I'm so excited to share this new series with you so in the past a lot of the interviews we've done with Mumbrella have aired on the Mumbrella cast and that will continue however we want to devote this one-on-one series for more in-depth conversations with our guests and they could be figures from the marketing world the advertising world the media world the entertainment world really anyone who has a story to share we want to highlight we can think of no bigger guests to start off the new series than with the man who is headlining the 2024 mumbrella 360 conference of course i'm talking about the former cmo of nike and the author of the emotion by design book greg hoffman so on the first episode of the one-on-one series greg joins me from california to talk about the upcoming mumbrella 360 conference and a little bit about his story his background and his work at nike greg goes in depth about the theme of dare at this year's conference and how important it is to be a risk taker or as he calls it don't play it safe play to win we also talk a little bit about his work with some iconic names like michael jordan tiger woods and even kendrick lamar now before we start this is a big interview with greg so we've decided to put it into two parts you'll hear the first part right now and part two will be coming out later next week so keep an eye on the mumbrella website for more details and be sure to subscribe rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening to it from you of course will be able to see greg hoffman in person yourself at this year's mumbrella 360 conference taking place at the dalton house in sydney on the 21st to 23rd of may to secure your tickets head to mumbrella.com.au forward slash mumbrella 360 all right so let's get into it this is the first episode of the mumbrella cast one-on-one series here's my chat with greg hoffman Welcoming to the one-on-one series of the Mumbrella Cast, I am stoked to be joined by Mr. Greg Hoffman all the way from California. Greg, thanks for coming on. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for the uh, invitation, and uh, I look forward to the conversation. So I understand you had to get out of Oregon because of the weather. It's currently summer here, so what's, what's the issue over there right now? Is it that bad? Well, historically speaking, we had one of the worst uh, wind and ice storms in the history of Portland, Oregon. So uh, needed a little bit of time to uh, away. And uh, I think everybody's trying to assess the damage from the storm. And uh, Mother Nature, as you know, is very powerful and needs to be respected. And so I think everybody's kind of putting everything back together and... uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of beauty that goes with living in uh, Oregon with the mountains, rivers, streams, oceans. Uh, but it's also uh, every now and then gives you a powerful reminder about <laughs> who, who's in charge, right? Well, I don't want to burst the bubble because you will be coming here in May, which is right before our winter starts. I, I'm sure we won't have tornadoes or, or that crazy storms. Okay. But uh, you know what? Fingers crossed. It'll be a great time for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I'm, I, I take it all in. So <laughs> I, I, I take what uh, the environment offers and I make the most of it. So looking forward to it. 
Well, Greg, thank you so much for taking the time again to, to have a chat with me today. Um, obviously, you're here to talk about uh, your headlining spot at Mumbrella 360. But for those listening right now to, to get the cliche question out of the way, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your story? Sure. Yeah. Well, look, pretty simple. I had two big passions growing up as a kid and as a teenager, uh, art and sports. And if I wasn't playing basketball, baseball, soccer, football, of course, in Australia, uh, then I was painting, drawing and sculpting. And so I really, those were my two pursuits, right? But as I got older, I always felt maybe I might have to make uh, a choice between those two passions, as a lot of us have to do, right? You got to grow up at some point and pick that focus. Uh, Long story short, though, uh, coming out of design school, uh, where I did focus on art, right, and visual communication, uh, I got an internship at Nike. And that was a place where I got to realize this dream, if you will, of using art and design to tell stories of sport and athleticism, right? And all the rich territories within that. And so when people ask, you know, how could you stay at one company for 28 years? And uh, because it allowed me to really go as deep as one could in pursuing those two passions of art and sport. Now we'll go into a, a little bit about some of the the people you've worked with and the big campaigns and projects you've worked on. But just to fast forward to 2022, you release your book, Emotion by Design. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind the book and what it's really all about? Sure. Well, again, I had this good fortune, this privilege to work at a brand, Nike, that went really beyond just products right? Nike in some ways created uh, a state of mind. If you think of just do it, just do it isn't just some advertising slogan. It grew into an approach to life, an attitude, if you will. Um, If you think about the swoosh, the swoosh isn't just a logo. It's really in some ways a symbol of human potential. And if you think of sneakers, right? People have this incredible ravenous appetite for sneakers and the innovation behind them. And they take on a role greater than the use of the product itself. And so my point there was, I was in this environment where we were always asking the question how we wanted people to feel, right? We were delivering rational, functional value, right? Through our products, but we were also trying to figure out how we could deliver emotional value, how you could make people have more self-belief as as athletes, how they could feel empowered. So I grew up in that environment for almost 30 years. And it's something oftentimes that many brands don't invest in, right? They invest on the rational side of marketing and brand building, but not the emotional or psychological side. And the fact of the matter is, Neil, is there are sometimes limitations to how far you can push the performance innovation, the functional innovation, right? Zero limits. 
when it comes to creating emotional value. Again, through the way you create experiences, brand identity, the stories you tell, world building. So I wanted to bring that to life uh, through my story, my journey, as well as a practical guide, right? So emotion design by design is really a, a guide to being able to generate those feelings in your audience to create a loyal following, a relationship, right? And at the same time, share a bit about my own journey, some of the things that uh, I had to, to raise my game, obstacles maybe I had to overcome, and in some ways making that transition from a graphic design intern to the chief marketing officer of arguably the most influential marketing company in the world. Right. So, yeah, so there's a little bit and I, I, I want to say it's you, you for this particular book, you don't need to be a marketer or a designer or an advertising. Right. Um, there's something in it for anyone that's seeking uh, to really unleash a lot of the human characteristics that live within the creative process in whatever discipline that they work within. Well, it's so good to have you on this year's lineup, particularly because the theme of this year's M360 is dare. And I know that a vital trait that you live by is, you know, being curious or being a risk taker, you know, don't play it safe, play to win. Can you speak a little bit about that and how you were able to action that or try to action that on a daily basis at Nike? Yeah, it's a great point. Uh, again, I go back to some of my formative years at Nike. You know, when I showed up as an intern and I went to the first day of orientation for the Nike brand, as any new employee has to, and you walk into those doors and the story that you hear that first day on stage and the mantra that's repeated over and over again is lead from the front, right? And using athletes as metaphors, the idea that you need to go out first not wait for the competition, let the competition react to you. And so that was Nike's approach to innovation because at the end of the day, how do you expect to take your audience, your customers someplace new, if you're not willing to go there first yourself? It's pretty much impossible. Mm. So obviously today we're living in this arena as, as marketers, right? where we're listening and responding to the desires of the consumer in real time. And we're also thinking about and looking at the dynamics in the marketplace also in real time, right? But at the end of the day, there needs to be a percentage of what you're doing, regardless of how small it is, where you're looking to introduce new ideas, new concepts. And here's the thing about risk-taking in business and why it's important. But what you have to remember is it's risk-taking on behalf of, of the customer, right? It's risk-taking to serve the customer's aspirations and dreams. So in many ways, they're expecting you to take risks, mm -hmm. right? And so, yeah, I, I'm a big believer that, that uh, you, you, Curiosity, of course, fuels innovation, right? Uh, but 
complacency does the exact opposite. So yeah, again, that that idea of being an innovation front runner, uh, you have to understand that, you know, and I talk about this a lot, right? Failure is the price of innovation. And the, the, the fact of the matter is any great outcome from a product design or a campaign along the journey to achieve that greatness, right? Um, there are many different iterations on the cutting room floor, figuratively speaking. So you can look at that as failure, or you can just look at that as the price of innovation, that journey to create the next big thing. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the the times we're living in now, it's quite immediate as far as marketing goes. By that, I mean, uh, a quote of yours that I've, I've been saying a lot recently is don't chase cool. Um, you know, we have social media influencers promoting anything they want to promote online. I know you've told this story before about Kendrick Lamar doing the Nike Cortez sneaker. That came about because he grew up with that shoe. There's a connection there. That makes sense as opposed to, say, another mainstream example might be uh, Snoop Dogg recently teaming up to sell the fire pits. The sales didn't go quite well. When we talk about the idea of don't chase cool, is the Snoop Dogg example one where it's like, a did Snoop Dogg want to sell these fire pits? Does he have some sort of connection? Or is that just a brand saying, if we get a big name, this will work? Well, sometimes patience is needed. I actually think within the Snoop Dogg case, uh, it doesn't look like they'll have the the longer runaway runway to be able to test and learn and figure out how to build on that relationship, right? Right. It it does look like it's one and done, but I would argue in that case, uh, had they allowed for a bit more time, because again, sometimes a campaign is 1.0. And I do realize sometimes when the pressure's on, you only, sometimes you only get that shot. I think at Nike, uh, oftentimes the longevity of our campaigns was because we had a level, of course, we started from an authentic place, right? Rooted in who we are and what we believe. But we also understood that sometimes a campaign has to build over time. And I think a lot of the iconic characters, a lot of the iconic partnerships within those 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 campaigns, um, it wasn't always immediate, right? But it's the commitment to enriching that story and building it over time and pushing the edges of of what that is and constantly surprising your audience as well. But yes, I, I live by the idea that authenticity is your cultural currency at the end of the day. And that, you know, you, you just simply can't manufacture authenticity, mm. right? So you got to protect yours at, at all costs. And that's the role of the folks in branding and marketing. You're the brand steward in the room. You're the consumer advocate on the one side and you're the brand steward on the other. So your role within the the room is to represent those pillars. And hey, at the end of the day, sometimes what we say no to from a partnership standpoint uh, is as important as what we say yes to, right? So again, one of the 
most powerful ways you can build brand associations around your products and your company, of course, is through those that represent your company, ambassadors, influencers, whether they're entertainers, athletes, DJs, stylists, you name it, right? But again, it's filters. Just keep asking the questions, right? How does it relate to your values? How does it relate to your purpose, your mission and vision, et cetera? And there's a variety of different ways. You know, we partnered with individuals that maybe didn't really have a passion for sport, but they certainly had a passion for innovation, right? Maybe they had a passion for the intersection of art and sport, music and sport, but you have to find that, right? And that's where the magic happens. And I really like it when brands either partner with one another or they partner with a persona within culture, but that there's an equal exchange of value, right? That you might be able to broaden your audience or reach a new audience and they might be able to do the same, right? But you're looking for some level of equal value exchange. Is it ever possible or is obviously the risk to blur the lines between authenticity and attaching a big name? You know, I, we can think of the, the multiple names you worked with at Nike. Was that ever a concern for you where it's a, a situation where it might be a, if we're using a name just because they're a name, that doesn't mean it will connect. Have you ever experienced that? Well, it's cultural relevance and consumer affinity is earned, not given. You got to earn it every day. And there's nothing worse than lazy marketing, right? So you can have all the partnerships and demand creation budgets you want, but you're still going to have to be resourceful, creative, strategic, going through the process as a team. And here's, here's the thing. Maybe when you're seeing things out in the world that seem where a partnership seems miscast, oftentimes there might not be objectivity in the room, right? Sometimes that's what's great about an agency to brand relationship is they're pushing on each other, constantly ask the question, is this on brand? Or someone else is saying, or are we playing it too safe? It's okay to have two opposing forces in the room when you're making these decisions, you know, because I'm talking to you here and I'm saying, on the one hand, we have to take risks, moonshots, show people something they could never imagine. On the other side, I'm saying authenticity at all costs, right? And so sometimes those are in conflict with one another, but that's the whole point of it being a team sport. Right. And so sometimes I would seek out stakeholders that didn't have skin in the game. Maybe we're dispassionate about what we we're trying to do because I knew uh, they could give an objective opinion. It's funny when we talk about not chasing cool, how hard is that for you to do when we talk about you working with some of these names? We mentioned Kendrick Lamar or the little known basketballer known as Michael Jordan. Is that harder for you to have to? pull things out of the bag to, to make it work because the names are so big? Well, no, I, again, it comes back to your, your purpose. Like what is it you're trying to achieve? Right. 
And for marketers, part of your role, certainly when you're telling the stories of greatness or failure or overcoming the odds, whatever it is, right? Certainly in my case with athletes, um, my role was to reveal some sort of truth or insight that's not visible to the eye, right? Um, I used to say oftentimes, no insight, no story. Like at the end of the day, the last thing we could be doing is just simply reporting the news, right? Because that's a crowded field and everybody can see what's happening in real time today. So, so rather than looking at it as, to me, one of the ways to create cultural relevance, right? And create something that sticks, something that people, uh, you know, pass to one another is because you, you find a hidden truth that when you revealed it in a profound way, people said, you know, now that you've, like Michael, for instance, Michael Jordan, my, one of my favorite ads, of course, is the failure ad. Mm. And it's not possible unless the writers and the creatives that sat down with Michael were able to get below the surface and realize that he had missed 9,000 shots and lost 300 games and was supposed to take the game-winning shot and missed it 26 times, right? And so, but then he says, that's why I succeed. So to me, that's cool. That's placing yourself in culture because it's disruptive. You're showcasing uh, a an athlete in a way that in some ways is more relatable. It's more inspiring because we can't all take off and jump from the free throw line to dunk a basketball, right? We can try. We can try. And I don't want to speak to you, Neil, but you know, I'm, I'm getting on an age and I don't know if I can do it anymore, but, <laughs> but, but I, tr you know, look, no question there is more pressure than ever on marketers to find the latest and greatest social media influencer, uh, you, you name it, to, to represent products, services, right, concepts. But you have to keep going back to, I'll say it again, right? Lazy marketing is when you're not taking the steps, asking the questions, right? To get under the surface, to get beyond the observations that we can all see, mm. right? The best brands go beyond that. And they share something with the world that then becomes culturally relevant, then becomes cool, right? It's not chasing, it's leading. Mm. Um, this question, you might have just already answered it talking about that Jordan campaign, but at your time with Nike or otherwise, is there a particular campaign or project that you've worked on where the notions of being curious, taking risks, don't chase cool? Is there one that sticks out for you that really taught you those lessons of how not to or do those things? Well, I, I'll just, I won't give too much away, right? Because uh, I, I, I want to share more when I'm on the ground uh, in Sydney. But uh, I do fondly look back at the World Cup campaign in Brazil. Sure. Uh, uh, and it was, we believed in risk-taking so much that we had an entire campaign for the World Cup time period called Risk Everything, right? Talk about just, 
you know, no holds barred, just this is what we believe. So without giving it away, uh, and, and of course, the, the pinnacle of that campaign was a five-minute commercial, right? Not, not only is that a risk, because where <laughs> are you going to run that? But it was also animated. Yeah. Risk again. But it really, I think, is almost even more relevant today because it mirrors what we're faced with as marketers, which is we really have all these wonderful tools and capabilities and platforms that allow us to not only understand better who we serve and really, you know, um, empower us more to fulfill their aspirations. Um, and we can also measure the productivity of our activities more than ever before. But I would argue it's made us maybe less creative, less innovative, and adverse to taking risks, right? So uh, so again, that's why I fondly look at that particular campaign because uh, it reminded everybody, you know, why human ingenuity and collaboration uh, and curiosity are so important and they are very important today because I think we're, we're, we're in a moment in time again, where we've never had more opportunity to use data and analysis and machine learning to improve what we do. But we've also had never been in a situation where we could lose our ability to push the edges, to dream bigger, to, allow our imagination to, to exercise freely, um, to forge new ground. So it's this, it's really, it shouldn't be looked at as a challenge. To me, it's an opportunity. So I love the idea, um, certainly, uh, with, with the conference coming up, um, that it is a forum, not only to come together to talk about what's next, but to remind ourselves of what our superpowers are as marketers. That was part one of my chat with Greg Hoffman. Again, keep an eye out on the Mumbrella website for the second half of the interview. In part two, we'll talk a little bit about Greg's perception of the Australian market currently and his thoughts on some brands that are doing great work right now. We'll also talk about his current relationship with Nike and the massive news in January that Tiger Woods actually left Nike after a near 30-year relationship. And Greg will share some lessons on creativity and leadership. Thanks again for listening to the one-on-one series. I'm Neil Griffiths, and we'll see you next week.